With your connection to local agriculture, I'm Joanna Guza. I got the opportunity to talk with Daniel Diedrich. He's one of the owners of Diedrich Farms located in Hobart. They milk 480 cows and farm about 1,000 acres. Daniel took us back two years ago when they experienced a barn fire and where the farm is at now and some of those big lessons learned. Yeah, so I was sitting at home watching election night like most people were, and then somebody came driving in the uh, yard honking the horn, run to the door to see what's going on and see the barns and uh, up in flames, and it was all our young stock facilities, which was all our old milk cow facilities from a long time ago. Um, so run outside, try to get all the animals out that you can, and um, a lot of them didn't make it, but that's uh, the unfortunate scenario that we ran into. I can't imagine the stomach drop, the pain that you felt when you saw that. I mean, that's your livelihood, and, it, and it's on fire, especially when you're least expecting it. Hindsight, the shoulda, woulda, coulda, what are some things that you wish you would have done to be more prepared for a crisis situation like that? Yeah, so we should have gone through our insurance faster than we did. We had been working on renovating the facilities that year, and we had finished up that project, but we hadn't talked to our insurance agent yet about trying to put different values on things, if that would be possible, what what that would look like. So our insurance wasn't at the level that it would have needed to be. And then also, this was around the time everything was jumping up in price and value during COVID, all that inflation that hit. So everything was valued at a price that we would have never been able to do anything with the amount of money that was on it because of those changes. Mm -hmm. So getting insurance looked at uh, sooner would have been good. I mean, we'd go through an annual review with our insurance agent, but that uh, wasn't soon enough in this case. And then always having a, a, I mean, we had that, a good connection with the local people, but when you have these kinds of tragedies happen, you need people to come out of the woodwork to help you and help you get things done. And we were fortunate that we had that, but it's also important to maintain those relationships and make sure you're there for other people when they have it because you might need it someday, even though you don't think you will. Right. And now that kind of leads into the next part. You had to transport a lot of animals. Did you guys have a plan in place of if, hey, if this were to ever happen, what would we do? Or were you guys flying at the seat of your pants trying to figure out where these animals were going to go? Uh, we had nothing. <laughs> so we we literally, uh, that night, we had animals running all over the yard. I mean, we just, any animal we could get out, you just got them outside. And they were just, wherever they went, they went. And at least they were alive was our, our take on it. It was better than the ones that were trapped in the building. And we were able to round up most of them <laughs> very easily and uh, transport him to a, a neighbor's farm who had a, uh, was now no longer milking cows, but he had a big cow yard, a big uh, concrete cow yard, and we just threw them all there. And he had some feed that he could throw them until we could find somebody else the next day to handle them. Um, we, most of them we tried to chase into the cow barn so we could load them out because we had no way to load these animals out. Um, so we just had to chase them into the cow barn to try and move them out in a way you could um it was a mess Um, but we had guys show up with trailers everyone we knew that with a trailer that lived anywhere nearby came um and they took turns hauling i mean it was hundreds of animals that we needed to move so do you think now hindsight would you encourage a farm or would you guys now think of a plan i mean now you've lived through it so you kind of have an idea of what you would do but someone that hasn't would you try to have some sort of an emergency plan put in place for this type of situation? Yeah, I mean, if, if you think about it, in today's ag, we're not moving five animals anymore. It's not ten animals. Where do you go with a thousand head? Uh, that's a tough answer to find a place to put them. Having kind of an idea of what you might do I think is important. You don't necessarily have to have a contract or something where you're going to go with them, but an idea of how you're going to handle something like this, or uh, in our case in Wisconsin, snow load issues on buildings, roofs caving in, things like that. Okay, so if you lose a quarter of your barn, where do you go with those animals? I think that's a very realistic one that people need to have a plan for.
How did you feel that the, the fire department and the emergency response, um, did you guys have any prior training on the farm for fire departments? Um, what was that experience like? Yeah, so my dad was a firefighter for years, a volunteer firefighter in our department. So he obviously felt that that was pretty important to maintain those connections with the department. And we'd done a number of trainings on our farm uh, for fires, on uh, tractors, skid steer collapses, uh, combine fires, things like that, tractor rollover uh, things. So we'd had a good relationship with our fire department they came out i mean as you would expect they came out and did what they needed to do and so did all the other local departments uh it took a lot of 14 of them to to cover for our farm and to cover the coverage for the other villages that came in right so you don't think about this when you have a big fire the neighboring village comes in well somebody has to cover for their fires if they have one and take the on call for that so there's people uh, a whole county over that are on call now because someone's over helping you um, it, it affected a lot of people that night and now two years later, where's the farm at and what are some of the goals with the with the accident that happened? Yeah, I mean, we took a big hit to our uh, capital, right? I mean, we had a lot of assets that went up in flames and not a lot of insurance on them. So uh, we spent the last two years trying to dig out from that, um, recover, rebuild some capital, get some equity. And this next year, we're hoping to build some new heifer facilities, new calf barn, new he- uh, heifer barn up to 500 pounds. And then from there, they can move to our uh, pasture facilities. Yeah, such a devastating situation, and I know it's something from, you know, my family farm, they experienced the barn fire, and at my, if you ask my dad, that's one of the most stressful days of his life, and I'm sure that's something you can relate to, too. Yeah, absolutely. So I'm, I'm not a particularly old person in the age of agriculture, and I went from having zero gray hairs to uh, a few of them in my beard. Um, I aged easily a decade in the course of two months. The, the stress that people have in these kinds of things is very real, and it's important to take care of yourself when you're in those scenarios. And, and people you know that have these kinds of stressors, whatever it might be, I, I think that's something that I didn't think enough about is how a devastating thing really affects another person and to have that compassion that, hey, you know, this person's having something really bad happen to them. Maybe you need to give an extra, hey, how's it going, or just reach out and say, hey, do you want to go get a beer and not talk about it because... Everyone wants to talk about the tragedy. Nobody wants to let you get away from it. And sometimes you just need your mind to not be on that. Well, Daniel, let's move away from this topic. That <laughs> since I'm depressing you. Yeah. 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 So besides, you just mentioned like possibly building the new heifer facility. What are some other new items that you guys are trying in 2023? Well, there's a lot of things I'm looking at. VR goggles or uh, AR goggles um, for the barn, I think, is something that really excites me and something I've wanted personally for years. I'm glad the technology is finally getting there. Whether or not it's something I can implement, I don't know, but I will be looking into it heavily this year. Um, Other than that, the other thing I really want to do is get into more agritourism. With where my barn is located, we're literally right on top of the city. Um, I'm the closest dairy farm to Lambeau Field by a lot, and... Uh, I think we have an opportunity there to rotate more into agritourism while still being a true production ag facility. So some of the virtual reality, is that what you're thinking with the, the goggles? Oh, no, that's, for, that's just strictly for me. That's to, uh, that's to do things on the farm, right, but like to do farm functions. That's not for guests or anything. That would be for me to better, uh, have better workflow on the dairy. What have you envisioned? Like, can you walk me through your mind or wouldn't some of the research that you've done? I mean, it's an interesting topic that I think people have the concept. Just curious what your thought process is. I want to be able to walk through a barn, wear a headset that I can see where I'm going, but also have the things pop up that tell me about a cow. Like, I want to know when I'm walking through a barn, is this the cow I need for my herd check? 
if I'm walking through the barn and I'm breeding cows, I don't breed my cows, I have somebody else do it, but they could wear the headset, walk through, and they could just walk right up to the cow. They've got a little uh, thing over their head that says this is, this is the cow that they need to breed, and you, they don't need to look for them. Um, we've got some of those things, technologies existing, right, to geolocate cows. We need more of that, like these things to make our workflow easy on a dairy. We spend way too much time as an industry looking at a piece of paper. Um, more recently, people have been moved to phones. I mean, I've been doing all the work on my phone for years, but that's still not enough. We need to be able to make this a much easier process of just doing the day-to-day operations you need to do to care for another living animal. Do you have a data monitoring system already? Yeah, I have activity monitors. I have robots, so I get all the daily stuff from my robots as well. So is that something, and I don't know if you've worked through the companies that you have, like the activity monitors and the robots, or would you go through another company to try to do something more of what you're thinking about? I don't care who makes it as long as it's coming in. Uh, I just think it's got to collaborate, right? Yeah, yeah. It's it's something that these are the kinds of technologies that really need to tie together multiple things. they got to tie together the, the herd management system. they got to tie together the activity and anything else you're doing on the dairy. Ultimately, these technologies, and it's something agriculture struggles with, need to be able to communicate. The different companies and technologies don't communicate very well. Well, so now, interesting with your robots and having your heifers being raised somewhere else, have you had any issues with them coming back to the barn and then when they after they freshen and getting into the milking cycle with the robots? Uh, we've been running robots long enough now that I think we've got a pretty good system on how to get animals acclimated and, and used to the system. So they pick it up pretty quick. I mean, we milk a large amount of jerseys and crossbreds, and they tend to be... Uh, I'm, in my biased words here, they're a little more inquisitive and smart than Holsteins and definitely than uh, Brown Swiss are. So <laughs> just just lambasting those other herds. Yes, right? yes. Someone's shaking their head right now. What are some challenges that you or the entire dairy industry is facing in 2023 or even beyond in the future? Like, like everyone else this year, uh, labor and inflation. Those are the two things. Yeah, I milk with robots, but Um, Like everyone else, my employees came to me and said, hey, you know, we're getting hit with all this inflation. We need big raises. And so instead of giving, you know, one, two, three percent, four percent, five percent for really good work, you're looking at 10, 12 percent because you really got to step it up to keep them because there's so much pressure in the dairy industry right now. Uh, There's such a, a lack of workers that people come and take your workers. They know what other farms are paying and they'll go there if they need to, and, and you don't want them to, and you get good staff, and you get them trained, and, and you need to reward them for that too. And then just general inflation, right? Our milk price doesn't seem to uh, go up at the pace of inflation. Uh, we had a pretty good milk price this last year, but looking forward, are we really looking at a 8% growth compounded over the last two years moving forward? It doesn't look that way to me. Right. And I think when you talk about workforce too how has it been finding people that understand the robots and and the technology that you have on the farm have you had a skilled workforce come in and and be at the farm as you implement technology you have to understand that you are training them for this Um, they aren't going to come in with those things you need to find the right attitude of people to learn the technology because they aren't going to come in understanding it so it ultimately it falls on the business owner to create a program that engages their workforce that they can teach them and a plan to do it because they're not going to understand any of it. Uh, the None of my workforce actually had worked on a farm before ours. They were all first-time farm workers, and you just have to be able to train them to these things. And if you do a good job and you treat them right, they'll learn it. People They take a job because they're excited. Nobody takes a job being angry about it, right? So with Daniel, with you being 
a younger farmer and someone that's probably listening to this farm report as they're riding on the school bus to go to school, what would be some career skill sets that you should tell them they should look into, um, even if they didn't grow up on a farm, that they could find a job in agriculture and work on a dairy farm someday? Critical thinking is always number one, right? The ability to look at a problem and solve it, whatever it might be, and, and, and do workflow, right? It's this, then this, then this happens. And what is that chain of events that allows things to happen, whatever it might be? So I recommend everyone take computer logic courses because that is the basis of, it is a really basic way of looking at critical thinking. If, then statements, this is how you program things and that is really how the whole world works something happens and then something else happens and that's a really basic way to look at it and quite frankly our whole world is built on technology like that so to understand how it works is pretty good too and there's jobs in the egg industry that people can be pursuing to do those is there anything else that technology wise that you guys are looking at adding to your farm whether that's physically on the farm or in the fields i mean the other thing we're looking at doing is implementing Wi-Fi on the whole farm. Right now it's just in the dairy barn, but I want to put it everywhere so I don't drop in and out of Wi-Fi. I want it to cover everything. And then on the cropping side, we're always doing more conservation stuff. Um, we moved to no-till years ago. Uh, I guess it's probably been five years, six years that we moved to no-till. We've been doing cover crops for at least a decade. And so we're always looking for whatever that next way of doing things is. We've tried a lot of different uh, minimal disturbance toolbars for manure. Um, we're always looking for a better way to do that. That seems to be something that we always struggle with is to get that manure put into the ground where we want it, but disturb the field as little as possible. What has been some of those cover crop mixes that you're using that you've had the most success with? We use winter wheat. We grow some winter wheat on the dairy and we save some seed and use that. It makes it really cost effective. And... It grows pretty early in the spring and, and gets going. If you get it early enough in the fall, right after corn silage, when you typically would plant winter wheat anyway, it, it works out fairly well for us. Um, we've done other things, but that one seems to be the one that we keep going back to. And I know you farm with your dad, so you're the, you know the next generation coming in. And I know you've added so much technology to the farm. Does your dad think you're crazy? <laughs> or is he pretty receptive to the things that you're doing on the farm? My dad's incredibly supportive and receptive, but he also thinks I'm crazy. I mean, that's a side note. Um, but he supports my craziness, so it's fantastic. I mean, we have a great working relationship. I'm really fortunate in that regard. Not everyone is, is as lucky as me to have uh, such a great working relationship with their business partner and father. So I'm, I'm really lucky in that regard. But there's some things I do. He scratches his head and says, well, if that's what you want to do, I guess it's, uh, you know, you're the one living with it for the next 20 years. So go ahead. You know, I'm, I'm fortunate in that regard that he also says, go ahead, and I don't have to argue with him about it. He'll say, this is why I don't think you should, but he ultimately lets me decide. Thank you, Daniel, for that enjoyable conversation. You are listening to Daniel Diedrich. He's one of the owners of Diedrich Farms located in Hobart. They milk 480 cows and farm about 1,000 acres. And that's your connection to local agriculture. Thanks for listening. I'm Joanna Guza.